Welcome to The Lonely Marketer, sponsored by Pager. My name is Glenn Southam, and this is your show for all things recruitment marketing. We share the challenges, the successes, advice, and the screw-ups from the leading marketing talent working in recruitment. And most importantly, find out what their favorite swear word is. We speak to the companies working to make marketing recruitment more effective and efficient, and to those people who have opinions that make you think about things that little bit differently. You can find me on LinkedIn, and if you want to follow the bear, then head over to the... Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Lonely Marketer. Today, I'm joined by Chris Cranshaw from Halt. Um, Chris has got a wealth of experience in recruitment marketing uh, that he'll speak to you about uh, shortly. Um, He's also been a a recruitment consultant as well. Stop booing at the back. Um, But it's great to have Chris on to talk uh, over what he thinks is happening in the recruitment marketing world, uh, the recent changes he's made to his career. Um, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Uh, to, to, to kick off there, you're, um, you're a bit like me. Uh, you've, you've been around the block a few times in, in this industry doing, doing marketing within recruitment. So for those listening, can you just go, you know, a little whistle-stop tour of your career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll be as quick as I can on this one. So I It's um, hard when you've been around for as long as we are, isn't it? To I know. Stop. I had to really think back about <laughs> actually where did it all start. Uh, when, so I've, education was multimedia and marketing, um, good till 20 plus years ago. Um, had my first, first of my two children very young, so in my 20s, and basically just found the first job that could get me as much money as possible my family um fairly worked for rbs in a sales capacity and then as an internal trainer and internal recruiter and that was when i got my first exposure of the equipment world um met, met with one of our external suppliers that was about the same age as me but driving a very nice car wearing a nice suit and a nice watch and wanted to have a bit of the action so um so yeah fell into the recruitment world in early noughties um worked in finance recruitment for a couple of years um Worked for a company called a small, small boutique agency called Morgan and West um, for a number of years on that side. Started working with some larger insurance companies, resulting in moving across to Sanson, which was a major sort of recruiter in Bristol. A um, couple of years with them, and then had a, I wouldn't say an ill fated move, but moved across to a land which was going to be my big move, which is now known as Experis, owned by Manpower um, in 2008, and within a week of the um, the crash basically we had in 2008. So had a couple of really tough years there. Um, one of the few that did reasonably well during that period of time, but certainly came out the back end of that very burnt. Um, had aspirations at that point to go and do something very different. I thought, right, I've made my money in recruitment. I want to go and follow, pursue a career that I want to do. Um, and Rethink sort of turned my head. Rethink Group basically, we were known as Rethink Recruitment then. Um, we joined those guys, spent a couple of years doing more sort of mainstream account management which was like early rpo days for them worked on a couple of large customers for those got exposure to the employer brand world um and that's where i sort of suddenly realized that actually i can fulfill my sort of aspirations to work in the marketing creative world but also have a, a wealth of sort of recruitment experience behind me so that was 2012 um very surreal. I went from being a quite a senior recruiter to a junior marketing exec. <laughs> um, worked with some amazing people along the way. Um, 
briefing group. I'm not sure how much you know about them, but they they went for a period of uh, growth through acquisitions. We acquired quite a few companies along the way. Yeah. Um, with that came some very experienced and very talented marketing people. So learned lots from them over the years and how to do it, how not to do it, etc. Um, and then sort of worked my way up for the ranks really there um, up until well, to early 2017 when sort of got the keys to the keys to the castle as I say and I became their marketing bid and employee brand director so I held that role for about three years grew the team up to about seven or eight people um everything was flying big ambitions for this year um and, and then obviously COVID happened the world <laughs> yeah. changed as we knew it um so yeah that's really where we are um my role would effectively is they were closing our office in Bristol and um, the economics behind it were absolutely sound and I fully understood why it was happening. Um, but due to the nature of our role and how we are, we're actually required to do almost a constant facial presence in, in head office where a majority of the leader team were. <laughs> so I had a major decision whether I was going to pack up the family and move to London or, or do something else or look for other firms. There's not many roles like I was doing in the Southwest. There's not many firms of similar size um, in the Southwest. So I sort of made the bullet, thought about it long and hard and thought I'm never going to get an opportunity like this to ever explore the prospect. The, the dream was always to go and set up your own marketing agency. And I thought, well, actually, there's a, there's a, I can see there's a gap in the market here. And there's an opportunity The, dr- the here, dream's so. to do it, but the plan's not to do it during a global pandemic. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I've had a few conversations with a few people outside the industry and that's the first thing they've said is just like, you must be mad. You're selling into one of the hardest industries that have been hit in the current sort of uh, climate, and it, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And why you, why you set up on your own? They get a two minute pitch off me, and they're just like, "Well, oh, that's an absolute no brainer. Go for it. Fair play to you." So yeah, so we um, so here's the shameless pitch. They launched at the end of September, I think the first of October. So we're about a month and a day old. Um, the response to the market's been phenomenal in terms of what yeah what we can do um there is you know you know i think i meant i wrote a post today which actually glenn i think you're included on it where i highlighted that you know recruitment industry is renowned for being fiercely competitive between the rival businesses but actually the suppliers into the industry is so collaborative and it's so like there's so many sort of people that are in our space and the recruitment marketing space that are working together and collaborating or passing leads on and referring stuff all the time so it's been a it's been a really interesting sort of first month or so. Um, haven't slept very much because I've just been working every hour God sends. Um, but yeah, that's that's my whistle stop tour of the last twenty years and my life in recruitment, should we say? As to as to kind of where we are now, it's funny you, you mentioned the the collaborative uh, nature of that, and you know I'll, I'll do my own plug saying that you know it is my podcast. Uh, it there's a, <laughs> as as a group of suppliers, as Chris was saying there, um, and I'll, I'll put a note in the in the show comments as well. We're we're just trying to um, support the the recruitment businesses that have been most severely impacted by the p- pandemic. Now, first comes to mind are the likes of those in the the leisure industry, hospitality industry, and stuff like that. But we're we're offering some pro bono support. Chris is involved. I'm involved. In another. 25 30 odd people as well so if you just want to jump over to um, marketinginrecruitment.com then you can find all the details there but what has shown you know your experience over the past uh, five weeks my experience over the past um seven seven months um working on the strategic side as well is that 
there has been a shift in, um, in I think, appreciation of marketing and um, being able to put out different messages and effectively sell to our to our audiences a little bit differently now. But why do you think marketing, you know, has become more important for recruitment companies and recruitment companies of all sizes? You know, both both yourself and I. We, we're used to working in quite established recruitment businesses where, you know, decent sized recruitment businesses have a marketing function. Uh, you know, it's a given. But I think even more so now, the startups, the, the two to 10 person businesses and those smaller ones, even those guys now are realizing we need to be doing marketing. Mm, absolutely. Why? absolutely. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's... It's it's twofold. I think that the primary thing right now is I think this year has exposed the importance that recruitment has in the, you know, has on the world, has on the industry. Um, it's highlighted certainly from a one of the things I was sort of talking about with somebody earlier today is the, the industry has always had a very bad reputation. It's always had this cowboy boiler room, Wolf of Wall Street style sort of approach and the people outside the industry looking in, that's what they see straight away. And what I've, what I found back in 2008 as well, and what I've seen over the last six months ago is the shift in, in perception from people very quickly. If just to around and realize that actually this is a professional industry, this professional services industry. These people are experts. We need them now. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put recruitment consultants in the same court as a lawyer or, you know, a select, someone med- a medical professional or something like that. Um, but they, they are now seen a lot more as these are skilled value-add experts in the market. Um, there is an influx of candidates in the market. There's an influx of companies that are needing to recruit or recruit a different skill set um, or t- recruit differently. I think this is now why it's more important than ever for these recruitment companies to now turn around and say, this is what we do. This is, the, this is where, it's what we add to the market. It's what we can do for you. One of the big, big things I've been going on about for a long time, and I've heard it muted by a colleague the other week, actually, was that as an industry, what we do isn't unique. There's nothing different. There's, I've always spent years talking to consultants saying, what, what's our differentiator in the market? Actually, yeah. 99.9% of recruitment business don't have differentiators. They all do the same thing. The technique and how they go to market is exactly the same. What they're offering is almost identical. There is spins and ways of doing it. And the they're all specialists. The <laughs> Everyone's a specialist, yeah. There is ways of commercially badging it up slightly differently for the end customer, the end client. That's the hiring, man, a hiring business. But actually, there's nothing that's unique about what the recruitment industry do. Everyone does mm. the same thing. What makes it unique is who they do it for. And that's the key thing is, is the audience they're selling, the, the sector and the market they're doing it for. So whether that's a you know, digital, you know, we could spend all day rolling off the different industries that recruitment, recruitment companies supply into. That's what makes it, makes it unique. So I think that's why it's so important for recruitment companies now is they're not to, they need, they need marketing to be able to, ta- be able to communicate to the right audiences rather mm-hmm. than just be them talking about themselves. We do recruitment and that's how this is how we do it. Every other recruitment business can do it. It's a sing from exactly the same song sheet. It's now it's a switch where it's actually every other we this is this is us in the market and this is what we can do for you, Mister or Mrs. etc. Yeah, Mister Client or Mrs. Client on that side. And it's actually it's differentiated about what we do for you and why we where we why we're your expert because we are ingrained in your market. We understand your market. We're thought leaders. We're trusted. We are people selling, we're well, people providing you a service rather than we're a brand providing the service. And this is where there's a big switch as well is 
as you would have experienced over the years, Glenn, is recruitment marketing was very traditionally, it was promote the brand, heavily promote the brand, don't promote the people. It's all mm. about promote the brand. People buy the brand. People don't buy the brand anymore. People buy the people that work for the brand. Yeah. The brand is the, that's the nice wraparound. That's the, that's the, that's the sort of the, the gravitas behind an individual working in a business, uh, working for a recruitment business. But people are buying from people. I think that's, that's something that's been really come, come of light over the last six months or so is those people that are good at what they do, good at communicating what they do to the market and attract and emotionally engaging with their audiences. So the ones that are, are finding, are finding success in the market at the moment. Yeah. Than the, the, go on. I think you say like people it is people buy from people and what they say now and you know it comes across a lot and you talk about it a lot is is storytelling as well people are buying stories so it's still people but people are able to kind of emotionally engage with what's happening to someone like them or someone similar yeah. to them in their industry and that that brings it to life and that cuts through you know let's be honest all of the all of the marketing bullshit, <laughs> you know, all of the marketing yeah, bullshit absolutely. that you might see on a, see on a website <laughs> in a tagline and things like that, that might, that might add something to it, but it's the, it's the stories that is, uh, that is convincing people at the moment. And even more so now, you know, there's, there's some out of all of the, you know, the sea of, of shit, uh, around mm. COVID and everything, there are some like some great stories where recruiters have gone to, you know, to the extra lengths to, to help people, um, selflessness and things like that. So bringing those stories to life now yeah. is, is a skill in itself. And, um, and I think marketers are, are the ones best place to, you know, to extract those stories from the, from the sales guys more often than not, and then be able to, to bring it to life. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I think the, the other side that I was to mention the twofold thing as well is I think there's a dramatic shift where a lot of co recruitment companies have realized that, okay, so they've always known that people are their biggest asset, you know, without, their, without the right people, the right consultants, then they haven't got a business. But I think a lot of companies have now found themselves in exposure where they've gone, how are we going to attract, continue to attract the right people? We're working in a world where potentially we could be hiring the next superstar recruiter but they're going to work from home two, three days a week. Mm. So how are we going to attract that person to want to come work for us? What are we, what makes us unique and what's different? And that's the other thing. It's, and that's, it's not forgetting about promoting the brand on that side of things. It's making sure that these companies are putting themselves out there to the target audience, which is the, the, the right recruitment consultants they want to attract their business and what, why they're unique. And, and it's, it's that uniqueness around this is what our people are doing, this is how we're supporting our people and the investment we're making in our people to be able them to be able to promote themselves and their personal brand. Yeah. And that's the big differentiator now with that. And I think that's what's going to be the biggest switch in, in recruitment marketing over the next year or so is companies switching from being the traditional, we want our brand to look amazing and we'll give our people some tools so for them to do the little thing is this is going to be part of our operating model. All our people are going to grow their personal brand. We're going to, going to invest in them we're going to you know, empower them to be able to do this and we're going to tell the world that we're doing it because we want to attract other good consultants to come in and do the same thing as well yeah because because you know in all likelihood is that employer brands and companies they're not going to be able to hide behind the pool tables the bean bags the great working environments the, the holidays to ibiza um you know breakout areas uh friday night drinks can't hide behind that anymore you know everyone was saying it but it still is attractive but now that's all been stripped away it's going to be yes. it's truly going to be how you treat your people and, and how you empower them because absolutely that, 
you know there isn't another option in that sense now and, and there will be companies that that fall down and then there'll be others who who really excel and um are able to you know to to move forward really quickly in that respect absolutely yeah, cool um so traditionally as well from my experience a lot of kind of marketing within recruitment has um it's usually reactive it comes top top down oh i've had this great idea or a competitor's doing this we need to do this etc etc um again i think there's a shift in companies wanting to um to plan their marketing and make sure even more so now that they're getting a a return on investment and they're not wasting money and things but what when, when you speak to recruitment business owners or or marketers within in recruitment businesses at the moment um what do what do they need to look at when it comes to when it comes to planning their marketing and then actually getting it done because it's that classic isn't it you can say all the great things about a strategy uh but if you don't get it done there's no point but what what is what what's your kind of advice in that sense when it comes to the planning of, of marketing i think i think they've got to they've got to look at the market right now Mm-hmm. I think it's that's the key thing is they've got to really, they've got to look at who they're selling to and how they're selling to. Yeah, traditionally, yeah. they're not selling to. If we take example, if we take the tech industry. So traditionally, you would have sold to a CTO, an IT director, a head of IT, and a consultant would have had a seven or eight pieces of contact with that individual. Um, and they would very, you know, we know that LinkedIn habits have changed. Um, it, you know, content habits change completely. So that's one of the key things I've been talking to companies at the moment is saying, do you know your audience? And when I say, do you know your audience, you really know your audience around, yes, we do. We know we're selling to CTOs and, you know, they like this, this and that. It's actually, it's like, well, look very deeper into that. You know, we've really got to go into the granular detail around actually, what are their consumer habits at the moment? What are they starting? Are they traditionally, would they used to be able to consume their, their content on their commute to work? Or would they do it over 30 minutes of lunch hour or their commute home? Actually not. A lot of these people now are consuming media at 6.37 in the morning. Yeah. They're consuming media at 7, 8 o'clock at night because, because they're working from home. What they're doing is they're finding themselves, they haven't got those old distractions. So they haven't got the old water cooler conversations. They haven't got, like, we've got this project meeting and that project meeting anymore. So they've got breaks in between their work. So what they're doing is people are actually having, I don't, I don't want to use the word lifestyle business, but almost working from home allows people to be more flexible in how they deliver their work. So their habits are completely changed. Mm. That's one of the key things I've been telling, talking to audience um, clients with at the moment is we really need to delve into what that new client looks like and that new client habits are around absorbing the content, how they're engaging, how, when they're reading their emails and things like that. I've noticed a big shift in a lot of potential customers I'm talking to at the moment. I'm getting engagement with them on a Saturday and Sunday morning. I'm getting responses mm. to emails. I'm getting questions on Saturday and Sunday morning. And I'm like, this is, I've never seen this before. This is new. Um, unless you ever worked with somebody you knew just worked seven days a week and lived their, their job. Um, it's because that's the nature of it is now. People are going off and doing their dog walking and they're doing podcasts. And I, yeah. I've discovered my, my consumer habits for me doing podcasts and watching videos has completely changed to how it was six months ago. I, I will make sure I have a podcast set up every morning when I go out and walk the dog. Yeah. Um, so it's been that. That's been the. I mean, that's one of the biggest things is actually reevaluating who your audience is, understanding who they are, and what they now care about. So a lot of people are like, oh, their biggest problems are is transformation, it's getting a program delivered, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now it's a case of actually, how am I going to onboard these people? How am I going to keep these people engaged? And and then that's where companies will make a difference. Is they'll start doing that value add. They'll start putting content in front of their target audience, which is actually it's relevant to them and the world they're in now. There is. 
and when I say that, it's not the jump on the bandwagon, let's do the same, or here's a remote onboarding guide that every man and their dog done. It's more granted, more de details, really understanding the detailed problem. So what, what, where the businesses are now is they need to go back to, I don't want to use the word shop floor, but almost go back to their consultants and say, what's the trends that your clients are talking about now? What are their pain points? What do they want to see? What are they asking for? And then recruitment business then go, right, we need to go out and market with this information. We need to educate our audience with this. And this is value add side of things. And that's been the big, that's the biggest switch as well. Um, I've, I've looked at a few, talked to a few customers. It's about tone and language as well and, and reading habits because obviously everyone's reading a lot more. Everyone's reading a lot more on social media. Everyone's reading a lot more. So when you're pushing out content, it's actually how, how quick is that content going to be absorbed? Have they got a five, 10 minutes sat in, at their desk anymore? Potentially not. They're on a call. They're on a video call, but they've seen your email and they want to absorb that or they want to see a post and they want to absorb it in 20, 30 seconds. So it's completely shifted the whole the persona marketing um, uh, market is completely shifted at the moment. Yeah, because it just shows, does there? And I'm very much like you. I'm more about audiences than personas because it just, you know, the the persona, the type of person, the role they're doing, their age, and everything that hasn't changed, but everything mm. around it has, and the impact, yeah. like you say, on on timing, distribution channels, and everything has to be has to be reevaluated. If not, the the core content. It was funny, like you were saying about the kind of onboarding guys and and I had so many conversations about things like that and and how to conduct <laughs> a video interview is that it's, it's a classic and I go through this exercise quite a lot with 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 companies I work with is like you just ask why a couple more times you know why why do we need to do it on um video interviewing guys because someone's nervous about not doing it before but why are they nervous because they've never done it before and then rather than just doing a video interview guide you're getting right down into the fact of how it's emotionally affecting someone and what you can work out the resources rather than saying make sure you've got five books and your laptops at eye level and you know your, your bed's made in the background or whatever it might be it's just it's just so vanilla isn't it it's um, yeah and it's absolutely uh, for, for a marketer point marketing point of view it's soul destroyed having to create content like that <laughs> yeah because everyone absolutely. else is doing it yeah um so we've both done it in the last six months oh we've, yeah we've yeah we've, all, we've, we've had to do it <laughs> yeah exactly we have the lonely marketer is sponsored by our friends at pager marketers use pager to get 90 percent of those pesky consultants to share relevant content to their target audiences combine this with automated and fully branded job adverts pager drives traffic directly back to your website which is then 60 percent more likely to convert not badder Head over to pager.co, that's P-A-I-G-E-R.co, to find out more. Let's get back to the show. We're recording just a, a few days after after Halloween. Um, and we've, we've, both, um, we've both worked with um, marketers and, and various marketing teams of different sizes. Um, if you could build a, a marketer, for you know, a Frankenstein marketer, if you like, for uh, for recruitment businesses, what would they be made up skill wise? Because I, I see myself as unashamedly as a little bit of a you know a jack of all trades and a, a marketing marketing generalist, and I like being able to pluck out different skills of different people. But if you could create that kind of that ideal marketer for a recruitment uh, business, what would they look like? Question, really good question. Oh, wow, you put me on the spot there. Um, 
I, I think there's, there's a number of key things that you the, I would think that are essential skills in the modern day recruitment marketer. Yeah. Um, it goes about saying you know, the core fundamentals of understanding of marketing, how it works, you know, that sort of core skill. I think it's coming into business and understanding how social media works and understand that's obviously a key skill, whether that's education-based, whether that's more of a, you've had that as an intern training piece prior to sort of going into the industry. Um, one thing I've always loved to have been in a scenario to be able to do with people that I've managed over the years is their introduction to the business would be four to six weeks with the sales consultants, with mm-hmm. consultants on day one. Don't come into the industry and go, right, that's them. That's their, their unique beast. They're salespeople. I'm marketing. I'm here to support them or I'm here to make them look good. And I've worked with quite a few people that have had that mindset and it's been a real, real hard task to switch that mindset saying you're integral to what they do. You need to, they need to understand that. They need to appreciate it. So what I would love to, if I was building an ideal scenario in a world where we had sales consultants, you know, in, in an office and we could have marketing people, I would slot in somebody into a market sales function for about four to six weeks. And that's all they would do day in, day out. would listen to these consultants, listen to what their clients are talking about, the pain points of the clients, what, how the clients behave, you know, what they like, what they don't like, and what the, what's happening in the industry. So they can come away from that almost as in I'm a, I've got experience of the industry now. I've got experience of what that in, that individual market or this audience is. Mm. And I think that's the hardest part with a lot of people that come into recruitment marketing is they don't take that time. They don't take that investment or have that opportunity to expose that element of the, of the job. They yeah. view see themselves as, and that's where the disconnect is between salespeople and marketing more often than not, because salespeople, we've been, we've been there. I've been one, you know, we've worked in the industry long enough to know exactly what recruitment salespeople are like. And it's finding that, but it's understanding how to talk to them, how to relate to them. And, and not only knowing the pain points of the audience, but knowing the pain points of the consultants as well and what they need and how quick they need to react and how they respond and their emotions and their behaviors as a result of that. So it's, fu- it's funny you say that because like, I, I think I might've mentioned it on one of the first ever episodes that I did, but I f- feel like I really benefited from something very similar when I, mm when I started back in 2004 as a, as a marketing assistant in a, in an accountancy uh, recruitment firm is that um, my then manager, who is the, who's the head of marketing there actually insisted that I went through all of the training. Cause I started at the same time as a cohort of recruitment consultants. And I actually went through all the training, including kind of like, scenarios of you know making calls of bd calls and going through that group and looking back that has probably been kind of one of the biggest impacts doing that initially when i first started my career compared to anything else because you know that's what i pride myself on is being able to connect with with the salespeople, knowing kind of what they're what they're going through but being able to to kind of empathize with with it and understand it yeah yeah, oh, absolutely. Everyone should do that. Yeah, it's it so many benefits from it, and it's it's understanding, and that's the key thing. Is also understanding the, the when it's reactive and when you're responding to something which it always is. We'd love to be a hundred percent proactive marketing function and recruitment yeah. business, but there is that element of both. And it's when reacting, it's it's get understanding how it why it's being reacting the way it is, and understanding the behaviours behind that as well. I think the other key thing I was going to say as well um, is. As you said, a bit of a jack of all trade. I think that's essential these days. Mm. I've seen, I've worked with some amazing people. I've seen some amazing marketing people that come up with these amazing ideas and strategies, and they fall flat because they don't have necessarily have the capability or the resource to be able to turn that idea into reality. 
Mm. And so I think it's that element of having that balance as well. Again, I've got this idea, I want to do that, and I've got the skills to be able to deliver this by tomorrow or by the end of the week, we can get this rolled out. And I think that's where so many great recruit marketers are out there at the moment, have that element of, here's a great idea, I've, taught, I've sort of sold the dream to somebody, and we're going to go and do this, and then the end result is just is not up to scratch. Yeah. So I think that's, an, that's another key thing as well, is having that real sort of, that multifaceted sort of creative aspect skill set as well behind that. Yeah. Be able to jump on videos, do podcasts, be able to do graphic design and brochures and that, which is always, you know, I always say brochures is, is, is about 1% of what a real recruit marketer person does. Yeah. But it's good to have that skill set when it's needed. Do you, do you, do you think um, com- compared, to, compared to us uh, older, older guys, <laughs> the, the, those who are coming kind of like into the industry as recruitment marketers now, they've, um, they've got a little bit of a, little bit of an advantage over us because a lot of the tools that that we use now um social media and, and everything they've kind of grown up with a lot of it haven't they compared to maybe maybe me well cer- certainly me and, and maybe yourself like when we came into the job something like a an email marketing tool it was like oh bloody hell you know i've, I've never done anything like this before or, or navigating mm. your navigating your way um through a through the CMS of a website was it was completely alien. You were learning from scratch, but now so more than ever is that there's people coming through who might have their own blogs, their own fay with with WordPress or Wix or Squarespace, whatever it be, yeah. built their personal website, and obviously they've been probably using using social media and a load of other communication channels since they were, you know, twelve, thirteen years old or something. It's com- yeah, but I mean, they might not have that top level overview of how it impacts on the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're absolutely right on that side, and yeah, they are they're. They're fortunate enough where their their education and their their personal lives are very driven around social media, as you said, and it's yeah. the tools. And even there's so so much variety of tools now. Is is go back ten years ago? You, if you're going to create something visually, you, you need to know your stuff on Adobe. You need yeah. to know you know you need to know how to use Adobe Prem or an early sort of Adobe Design Suite side of thing. Now it's you know there's canvas. There's so many tools out there, yeah. and like I, every day I'm seeing LinkedIn. There's another. Something we we when we did videos, we'd have to write the subtitles ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now there's software that does it for you on a on a on a on a click. I suppose that, that's so the cha- that's the challenge at the moment. It's um it's it's cutting through a lot of the yeah. the noise and the tech and and realizing that you don't have to do everything and you know you you can choose certain tools. You just got to be focusing on what that end goal is, what you're trying to achieve. Um, going into kind of. 2021 obviously a hell of a lot's up in the air no one could have predicted 2020 type thing but what are there any things that marketers that need to be thinking about as we go into um into into another year uh, in terms of what's going to be kind of on the radar for us any changes or anything like that um i think there's a couple of things i definitely the, the world has switched in terms of it's now very acceptable to do very uncut raw content Mm-hmm. I mean, every, every man and a dog can do it now sort of scenario yeah. um it's it gives authentic it's authentic mm-hmm. and that's why i think that's why it's been so popular because it's been authentic it's been people sat in their kitchens back bedrooms child's nurseries mm-hmm. you know living rooms of kids steaming in or dogs barking and yeah that sort of thing as well i think that's that's definitely that that's where media is going in terms of how people are going to absorb anything i think the key thing is is it's going to become very noisy and I think feeds, I've already seen it now, and I know stories is coming, which I think stories will, <laughs> I would be a huge success on LinkedIn because it would, it would extract all those raw cut media stuff onto that. 
or it will be the opposite where people go it's not it's not the same stories as it is on other social media platforms it's not going to you've not got enough interaction with it or follow throughs or be able to go and link to something else in, in the platform it's just a solid bit of media basically yeah so i think what the thing is it's going to become very noisy very quickly and it's going to be you know i think the way the algorithm works on linkedin you're going to see the same faces a lot so i think one of the key things i think any recruiter needs to think about going into next year is what are you going to do different to the other 100 200 300 people that are on the feed at that point how are you going to be creative with the tools and, and the facilities you have at your disposal and i think that's going to be and the ones that will stand out and the ones that will really thrive above and beyond the ones that are entertaining and have really good opinions and, and are really forth, forthright in in their content are the ones that really do something that's different and stand out um i do i do a weekly post at the moment uh, where i just share top three top sort of scroll stopping pieces of content for the week yeah and i, love that. I, I could choose 30 pieces of content there's some amazing people on, on linkedin at the moment doing some great stuff um, but I, I keep it a free because I'm do I'm purposely picking out the stuff that does really resonate with actually what the sort of phrase scroll stop is. It's the ones that really do stop you in your tracks because it's so different. And sometimes it's so bad as well. It's <laughs> yeah. so like, oh God, you look at it and you think that's awful. Um, and but but it's I've sat and watched two and a half minutes of it because I've immediately engaged with it and now I'm following that person. And there's one person in particular, I won't mention his name. Um, he works in the event space. If I ever want to go and at a particular event he's the guy i'm gonna phone now because i'm yeah. watching his content every day and i'm like actually that's funny i, I do like that and that's the differentiary and that's the bit i think that's what every marketer needs to look at, at the moment is we can't it will become it'll become vanilla very quickly so you need to be creative in how you stand out and what your message is putting out. otherwise it's just going to be a, a wall of selfie videos basically yeah i think it's it's being creative and being consistent isn't it you you know you you can get forgotten very, uh, very quickly, can't you, um, in this industry? So, yeah, interesting. Um, and as as marketers, um, you know, as for all those marketers listening, is there is there some big opportunities for them and and for us as a kind of a recruitment industry moving forward? Do you think? Um, I think so. Um, I think, as mentioned earlier on, I'm going to touch on the fact that I think recruitment, the recruitment industry, for the first time in many, many years, has a is seen very different now by the world. Mm. Um, we're, we're really able we we have expertise and value to add to the world, which was mostly overlooked previously, unless somebody was in a scenario where they had to look for work. Um, yeah. You know, I think this what what always happens with you know. Um, global financial crisis is it strips out the cowboys it strips out the people that aren't very good the ones that unfortunately haven't been trained very well yep. but have just been sort of trudging along doing doing well in a in a, in a certain environment they they'll be stripped out and i think that's what's going to come out is the ones that are really good at what they do will shine um so i think it's a, an opportunity for marketers now to be able to demonstrate that and promote that and yep. you know it, and what i was saying earlier on is actually don't forget that your people are the biggest assets of every recruiting business at the moment. And they're the ones that are people are going to be buying from. So, yeah. uh, so I think it, it's finding that balance and making sure that you invest in your people, invest in your people marketing and the, the, the personal brands as much as you, you are in your main brand, basically. And demonstrate yeah. to the world that you're doing that because you attract the right caliber of candidates to come, uh, consultants to come and work for you as well. Yeah. I, you know, I'm fortunate enough to you know speak with, marketers working working in recruitment agencies you know pretty pretty much every day and i just keep banging the drum at the moment it's like step up step up like the marketers have had such a and marketing as a profession has had um 
the opportunity, if you like, in in several cases over the past seven months or whatever it is, you know, time just blurs into into one, isn't it? Since March, really, um, to to be able to to show that you can win business, you can build awareness, you can build credibility, and you can start conversations without sending over CVs or jobs. So hopefully, we've broken that mold in a lot of cases, yeah. and now it's a, a a case of maintaining it. And hopefully not revert to type when uh, when things when if when things settle down. Um, so um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Great. Uh, I always um, like to end the show on the on the five quick fire questions. Um, okay. And annoyingly, I think it's what it's what people enjoy the most. You know, the the, the quick stuff at the end, not not all the juicy stuff in the middle. Right? I must admit, I'm one of those people. I get, yeah, always get like, it's, if I'm, it's I'm listening to the podcast, like, oh, this is the good bit now. Well, it's, 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 it's some, it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things you can pick up with someone if you, uh, if you have kind of a follow-up conversation with them, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Favourite brand? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say Lacoste. Oh, that's um, a good one. Bit controversial about 10 years ago, there's some Palestinian art um, controversies, but um, the reason why Lacoste is because I, despite trading on the fact of being big and building and, and running big, big high impact brands that get attention, I really admire them because it's they were actually one of the first clothing companies to ever put their brand on the front of their clothing. Levi beaten by about 40 years with the logo on the back of the jeans, but Lacoste were the first people to display their brand on a polo shirt at tennis. On, on jackets mm. and I think it's one of the most timeless brands where it's it's lasted the test of time so all these other big sportswear companies come in all these leisure brands and you know, lifestyle brands that have come in and it's one of those brands that I'm, I'm, I wear a lot of it because because I'm a 40 year old man and I've got a bit of a belly and it fits very well but actually it's it's a timeless brand that's never changed it's always been the same and it's it's resonated for it, throughout all the years. It always resonates resonates with its target audience, and I think it always will do. And I think that's why I always admire by it. And it's so simple and simplistic, and it grabs it grabs attention because it's so simple. So I love that brand, and that's most of my favourite brand for that reason. Yeah. But it's so opposite to what I trade on and actually do for a living. So yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, with, with clothing, um, how important a brand uh, slash a logo is because if you took the logo away. And it was just a plain pink, green, white, whatever polo shirt it was. It's very unlikely that you'd buy it in a shop if it was hanging up on hangers. If it was exactly the same product, either either way, uh, yeah. the same, yeah. you know, the same price, you'd always be paying for the. Or, or even if the, you know, the one without the logo was ten pounds, and the the one with the logo is seventy, you'd still go for the seventy one, isn't it? It just shows yeah. the power of brand. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it really yeah. does. So, uh... yeah. your your best bit of tech. Cool, blimey. Um, can I answer two? Yep. Actually, well, no, I'll answer one. I'll answer two because they're both are very valid. Um, Adobe <laughs> Creative Suite. Okay. We're at shadow of a doubt. Yeah, and if you, if you, oh, here you go. I'm going, I'm going to follow up with a bonus one. If you could only have one uh, Adobe product out of its suite, what would you have? Oh, God, blimey. <laughs> Oh dear, it's like telling which one of your kids you prefer the most. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Um, if I really had to, I would most probably say Illustrator. Okay, cool. I'd say, uh, and and was it, that in Premiere? Yeah. Okay. Was there another bit of tech as well then? I would say HubSpot. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. HubSpot. Just from the, that's that's because of the nature of what I do. It, it's twofold. It's branding. It's creative. But it's marketing as well. And yeah, they're the two just really great tools. Yeah. And there's so much you can do with them. So. Uh, oh, are you? I use I use HubSpot as a a very limited yeah. and badly managed um, CRM. Uh, but client <laughs> clients use it. Clients using yeah. the automation tool. You know, it's it's. It's expensive, but it's kind of incomparable in terms of I think what you can what you can achieve with it at, yeah. at the at the moment in that in that sense. Um, favorite sound? Favorite sound? Um, blimey! I don't know the name of it, and somebody's told me the name of it before, and I can't. It's gone off the top of my head. It's it's a stock scream sound that you hear in movies. I think oh. Star Wars made it famous. Um, Storm, stormtroopers falling off balconies. Uh, um, okay, so not a not a not a scared scream, not like a not a no, psych, it's, it's not a, a psycho it's scream. It's a bit of a sort of a comedy sound, like ah, like that, uh, yeah. I can't possibly reenact it, but um, well, you just did. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, every time I hear that, it just puts a smile on my face and makes me laugh, no matter yeah. what context it is. And hearing hearing it in films, which are just so. It just it, people drop it into films on purpose yeah. out of context as well so, uh, yeah for those who know i like, love that yeah. um and you know if you weren't if you weren't doing your your kind of marketing thing and money was no object and you could do any job in the world um and you could live the life you wanted to be what what would you be doing um it would still be creative uh mm-hmm. i've i've not had a chance to do this for years now um mostly old school comic book illustration Oh, nice. Like pen to paper style. Um, Any genre, particularly? Uh, I would say more, yeah, Marvel, DC, comic side things. Yeah, if somebody was to offer me money to draw Spider-Man all day, I'd bite the hand off and draw Spider-Man all day. Quite easy. Uh, so, yeah. uh, have you drawn Spider-Man before? Many times, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, well. Yeah, so Spider Man's one of my favourites. Um, but any any Marvel, DC, bit of a nerd on that Star Wars and like that. Uh, I have got an old Instagram account bouncing around somewhere. Excellent. So, uh, uh, have you uh, have you watched the first episode of the new series of Mandalorian yet? I didn't know. I okay. uh, I watched a podcast last night instead. Oh, okay. Um, my, yeah. the, that that Sunday night feeling, which is on <laughs> LinkedIn every Sunday night. I watched that instead. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, excellent. Um, I will be hoping to watch it this evening. So. It's annoying. They only do one a week though with that, even though it's on streaming with the Mandalorian. But There's a part yeah. of me thinking, do I be really patient and hold off for a few weeks and then just like binge about four or five of them in a row? But we work in social media, so you guarantee you'll find a spoiler. Someone will yeah. spoil it for you. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so. exactly. And, and and finishing up, your favourite swear word? Cool. Um, depends who you ask. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, it's quite controversial. It's the c word. Yeah, but cool. in the right context, and it's it's when it's it's used with a bit of a yeah. You you've been a. Uh, I think that's one of my favourites, but I've got a friend who's Australian, so and uses it every other word. So uh, you uh, you yeah. you you join a you join a a select group of of podcast podcast guests. I, I think we must be up to about maybe ten percent. Uh, drop it in, so it's a it's a select group. But uh, if my mother hears this, um, I should be horrified. I yeah, well, you you yeah, didn't yeah. actually you didn't actually say it, so we're we're fine. No, yeah, we're fine. Um, Chris. Uh, Great, great show. Thank you so much for, for coming on. I think the kind of the insight you've given based on your experiences is, is great. Um, if people want to find you, you're, you're where everyone expects, aren't you, on LinkedIn? Yep. 
yeah. yeah. So go go and hunt out Chris on on LinkedIn. And as as mentioned in the in the earlier show, if you know anyone who might benefit from my experience, Chris's experience, and a few other people's experience who have been on the show and and some who haven't, um, in terms of you know pro bono marketing advice and support during these uh, difficult times, um, please direct them to to marketinginrecruitment.com and um, we'll try and help as as many people uh, as we can. Um, Equally, if you head over to thelonelymarketers.com, sign up for the newsletter like always and share, like, everything else that you can do on social media of the show. It would be really appreciated. So thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for having me, Glenn. We really enjoyed it. Thank you. And that's another show done and dusted. I will speak to you all very soon.